rambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Welcome, everyone. Episode 54 of the Matt Jones Podcast, or as Nick Roush would like to call it, episode 53, since he screwed up the one uh, the other day. But that's all right. He means well. This is going to be a special edition of the Matt Jones Podcast, which is the uh, what, what I would call the, the last chance you edition. So last chance you um, is... Uh, is a show on Netflix that I am a huge fan of. If you haven't seen it, here's what I would tell you. If you haven't seen it and you want to make sure that it's not spoiled for you, then I would say turn this off now, go to Netflix and watch it. Six episodes, it'll take you a while, but you'll love it. And, and you might finish it in like a day or two. That's how good it is. If, however, you've seen it or you don't think you'll ever watch it or you don't have Netflix, I still think you'll like this because you're, we're gonna, you will enjoy the show. So it's basically a behind the scenes of a Mississippi junior college, East Mississippi Community College. And what we're going to do is I've got on first Brittany Wagner. She's the academic advisor, and she's like the star of the of the show. I mean, she's like, she's wonderful. She seems like the sweetest person. She cares about the kids. I freely admit to having a crush on her. I think she's just the best. And uh, she is on, and, and, and we talked with her, and she's great. And she talks a lot about Zadarius Smith who, of course, went there and then went to UK. So she's good. And then Mark Ennis comes on after, and we discuss the the show, and then also the, a little bit about uh, the upcoming college football season. But we have some opinions on the show. I really don't like the head coach on the show, and we discuss that. So it's a good show. This is a good, I think, podcast, so enjoy it. And, uh, and I promise you're going to fall for Brittany Wagner just like I did. But before we do that, this edition is sponsored by Blue Apron. Now, you know Blue Apron, that's where they send you the meal – and you can cook it yourself. They send you all the ingredients, and it's like gourmet meals, like top-of-the-line meals that they send to you. All the ingredients, all you got to do is cook it. I use it, and I'm telling you, a single guy like myself, you can't beat it. And I think it's good for couples. If you're going to do kind of a date thing, I think that's the way to go uh, too. And there's nothing better than Blue Apron. For less than $10 a meal, they'll send you all the ingredients from Japanese ramen noodles, Alaskan salmon, all of it right there. And this month... You know, they've got various pork meals. It's just so much what you want. And they send it all the, all the ingredients, and you can make the delicious meals. And you can customize what you want them to send. So go to blueapron.com, and this is the key. I'm giving you three free meals. Three. That's a lot. It's like a whole day. Blueapron.com slash KSR. That gives you three free meals. Blueapron.com slash KSR. Three free meals from Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. So with that, let's go and say hello to our new friend, Brittany Wagner. Okay, now happy to be joined on the phone by Brittany Wagner of, I guess what, East Mississippi Community College. Is that the right name of it? It's not called Last Chance U. That's the official That's name, right? right? It's not Eastern either. <laughs> what is it? It's East. East Mississippi Community College. Gotcha. Some people are saying Eastern, but, but it's not. Okay. Well, I absolutely love the documentary. I think it's one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen. And I don't think it, I think it goes without saying to anybody who's watched it that you are the star of the show. I mean, you are totally the star. Let me ask you this. When they first approached you about it, what did you think? Like, did you know, how did, how did you think it was going to go? 
I really had no idea. Obviously, I've never been a part of anything like this at all. Um, and I honestly had no clue. Um, I knew I knew that I didn't want to be a part of a reality TV show where okay. they were just exploiting all drama. Um, I didn't want that. And I didn't want one of my fears going in just from having a, a, a production company out of L.A., was are they going to exploit the state of Mississippi? Yes. And I didn't want to be a part of that either, like for it to be a kind of a comedy about how we folks in the South, you know, um, talk and and do things. So I didn't want to be a part of that either. Um, But I was, you know, I did my research and had many conversations with Greg Whiteley, who's the producer of the show, before I agreed to be a part of it and realized that it wasn't going to be anything like that. Um, but I had no clue. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but I didn't have Netflix <laughs> when I, <laughs> when I signed on to do this. I understand. So I don't think I really even, I was totally naive at the scope of Netflix and just the audience that it reaches worldwide. So I don't think any of that hit me until after the show came out and I started getting, responses and emails from people all over the world well explain that to me i I, i'm fascinated by someone like you who all of a sudden the world spotlight sort of comes on how that like changes everything so so like explain to me since this came out and it came out how long ago did it come out was it like a month ago it came out no no no, it hasn't even been a month yet (laughs) it came out on friday july 29th Okay. So it's been, what, two, three weeks, maybe? Okay. T- tell um, me how your life has changed in those three weeks. It hasn't changed at all. Well, but, it, but the attention um, I mean, has it, to have, hasn't it? I mean, like, you every... like Yeah, the attention has changed. I mean, I had 171 Twitter followers on the 28th of July. When I went to bed on Friday, July 28th, I was told um, by a Netflix public relations person to write down my, my Twitter followers, and it was 171. And I am over 16,000 now. That's so amazing. Because you were 13,000. You were literally 13,000 like Monday when I wrote to ask if you, if you could be on. And that's Yeah, ama- I think I get about 1,000 a day um, is about where I'm at right now with, with my increase, I guess. Um, so, I mean, that's crazy. The, the messages, you know, just people all of a sudden – it just blows my mind whenever I get on and read the, you know, the tweets or, or I've gotten hundreds of emails um, from people and, and to read those and to see, you know, some of them are lighthearted and funny. And then some of them are very serious, you know, people with very serious situations going on or have come from backgrounds that were traumatic and, and in some way watching the show has inspired them um, to do something great. I mean, that that kind of stuff is just totally overwhelming. And um, I mean, I'm so appreciative and grateful. And, and it's funny to me because I think there's that line in the first episode where I say, you know, I just wanted to make a difference in, these, in athletes' lives. And I wanted to be at the place where I could make the biggest impact. Little did I know when I said that, yeah. that I would be impacting way more than just college athletes at the end of this. Never in a million years. And that has to be really gratifying. You know, I I think one of the reasons, like at least for me, one of the reasons you stuck out is you seem so, not seem, I think you are sincere in how much you care about these kids. And and clearly they gravitate 
to you. I mean, Brittany, they, it's obvious they come and just hang out in your office, right? Like they just come <laughs> and it's clear that like they, they sort of look at you in a loving way. And I thought maybe one of the most powerful scenes in the entire documentary was at the very end as people were leaving, you were crying. Like, do you do that every semester? Does that happen all the time? It does. It happens every semester at the end um, of every, every December and then in May again, usually. And I mean, honestly, throughout the semester, <laughs> um, you know, I will shed a tear every now and then and they can't stand it. I mean, they will like walk out of the room, run out of the room as fast as they can if my eyes start watering because um, I think it just kill, kills them <laughs> to see me cry. But, um, you know, yeah, it ha- it happens all the time. And the the funny thing to me, too, is that, you know, the show comes out and everybody is rightly so, but loving Ronald Ollie and DJ Law and John Franklin and the, and the guys on the show. And I'm thinking back to the past seven years of my life. Yes. And and thinking back to all the guys previous to them, you know, and there and how there's I've had this connection and relationship with so many of the guy, hundreds of them, you know, over the past seven years. And there's a Ronald Ollie in every group, yeah. you know, there's a DJ law in every group. And so it's, you know, this is the group that has been spotlighted and is on television, but there's been seven other teams before them that have had the same stories. And you, you know, when, when, when you watch it, it's clear what's it, what is fascinating to watch in your, in your parts is these are guys that, and you correct me if I'm wrong, they're coming, it's, they make clear they're trying to come to get away, basically. But also, you know, they have something they need to do. Not just play football, but they got to do the academic side. And yet, there'll be basic things like having a pencil for class or just showing up that, you, that they won't do. And why do you think that is? Like, why is it if I'm somebody and I want to get out of a place – I won't even go to class. How do you, why do you, why do you think that happens like it does? I think it's the same mentality of why as adults, when we are overweight and want to lose weight, do we eat the entire pack of Oreo cookies? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't make sense, but we do it, you know, or why if we only have $150 in our bank account, do we spend a hundred of it on a pair of shoes? You know, like I think we all have our, we all do it in some way. <laughs> Even as adults, when we know better, we we do things like that all the time. But, you know, we're, I think as adults, we're so quick to judge when college students or a younger generation or people that don't look and talk and act like us do something, we're quick to say, you know, oh, well, that's, you know, they should know better. They should yeah. know better than to go to class without a pencil. Well, I should know better than to eat a whole pack of Oreos, too, but I I do it. You know what I mean? So I think it's the same mentality. Do they know that they should have a pencil showing, you know, showing up to class? Well, of course they know that. But, you know, is that the easiest, you know, is that on the forefront of their mind? No. And another thing I think that people didn't really, it didn't resonate with people watching the show is we are literally 40 miles from the nearest Walmart. Yeah. So, and these guys don't have cars. I mean, I, I have, there have been players before that have gotten off a bus from, you know, Miami with a backpack and they weren't going home again until Christmas. Wow. And they literally had a backpack. And they're in the middle of nowhere so, compared to that's what they think. Yes. With no car. So where are they going to get a pencil? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like who who's driving them 40 minutes down the road to the Walmart to take them school supply shopping? 
I mean, nobody. So it's not as, I think we're oversimplifying it because we live in, you know, Lexington or Louisville or wherever. We're oversimplifying the process of showing up with a pencil. Yeah. It's not that easy sometimes in, in this situation. Yeah, that's and one of the things I think is is fascinating to watch. You have such like I think one of the most important human traits is empathy. So few people actually really have that. You have true I you can just tell true empathy. You made a really good point about it's easy to judge especially those that are very different than us. I would guess, right. Brittany, that mo- these guys are very different than let's say who you grew up with. Yet I I can see your caring and empathy for them like how did that develop was it just being around these guys a lot and sort of seeing the good part of all of them yeah I mean I think that it it I think it started with me though at a young age um I think my my, both of my parents are this way my grandparents were this way um as far as just loving people you know and, and understanding where people come from I can remember my dad on Thanksgiving day packing up plates of leftover food and us driving down to, you know, areas of our town where people were not quite as fortunate as we were and just dropping off Thanksgiving plates to total strangers that we didn't know. And I would ride in my dad's truck with him as he did this on Thanksgiving day. And so I think it was just examples of watching my grandparents, my parents, um, and, and that always being kind of something that was talked about, you know, that everyone is not like you and everyone is not as fortunate as you and everyone doesn't come from where you come from and there's nothing wrong with anybody you know there's nothing wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with you like there's enough good for everybody pretty much was the lesson I think my dad kind of really instilled in, in me and my sister growing up and um you know I think it's carried over and I have I've certainly had my moments obviously as a college student I wasn't I was a typical college student who was self-absorbed and not very empathetic or understanding towards anyone. But I think, you know, as you get older, you kind of go back to that, that upbringing of what's important in life. And, you know, over the past couple of years, especially I've really, since having a child of my own, I think, um, you know, growing up, I've, I think I've just really come back to that, to those roots of, you know, really trying to understand people and, um, put aside judgment because we've all, you know, made mistakes. We've all had ups and downs in our lives. And, and I mean, that's what makes us great. Yeah. Well, you, I want to talk about this, this group a little bit because you, and I, I've, I've warned people that this spoiler alert here. So, I mean, we've got, because <laughs> if you haven't watched it, this is, we're going to go into it for a second, but the most powerful thing that happened there was at the end the, obviously the fight and then coach Stevens and his reaction and then uh, and then apology and a lot of people have made a deal about the fact that you don't see at any point in the show you with buddy Stevens and they've made them and it's made people say do they not get along cuz I will str- I will say to you I'm going to be perfectly honest and I'm not asking you to agree mm-hmm. I found as much as I liked you I did not like him in the show and it's it's clear you all like need each other in some ways, but is mm-hmm. is that relationship? I mean, I don't want to ask. I'm not trying to get in your business of what the relationship's like, but you all are very different people. How does that work? 
Well, sometimes better than others. <laughs> um, you know, I think we have kind of a love-hate relationship. Okay. I think we do know that we love that we need each other and that we are both instrumental in making this program thrive. I think we both really understand that. I think too the beauty of our relationship is that in some ways we are a lot alike in that we are both very passionate people. Yes. Um, he is very passionate about coaching and about, um, you know, winning and, and, and he's very competitive and very headstrong, um, very opinionated. And I think that's what's made him a successful coach. A lot of those traits are what has made him a successful coach. I am a very passionate person in everything I do, like it, it to, almost to a fault. And, you know, like, so sometimes I'm just all in, in everything. And, um, I'm passionate about what I do and, and I'm opinionated. <laughs> I'm head to strong. I think we have some of the same traits and we are working towards the same common goal, but the way we want to go about it sometimes is different. And when we get to a crossroads of those moments, sometimes we butt heads, but I think at the end of the day, we both respect each other and the job that we have to do. And, you know, one thing that I really do like about Buddy and respect about him is you always know where you stand. I mean, he's he's a he's he's going to tell you how he, how he feels. Usually with and, a lot of curse words, it seems like, in the well, process. Well, not real. I mean, not, not in a day's work, I would say. Like, not, you know. Well, at least in the um, drama they showed. It was, it was <laughs> my favorite part, Brittany, is that he would go, he'd be like, you know, you MF and blah, 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 blah. All right, Lord's Prayer. Everybody get down on one knee. Like, like the transit, <laughs> there was no transition between cursing and praying. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think that we – you know, we make it work. We make it work. And I will give a lot of credit in that, in making it work to the assistant coaches. Yes. I think the reason that you don't see us in a scene together um, is that I typically go through the assistant coaches and he's usually my last resort. So I try to handle it with the player first and then the assistant coaches second. And then if it's just something that has, you know, I have to take to him or I can't get resolved otherwise, then I go to him. But, um, you know, we, we figured, we have figured it out and we figured a way out to manage it and it works. So are you, uh, you know, I, I watch the players with you and it's clear they adore you and it's clear that they trust you, et cetera. But it also seems like sometimes they wouldn't listen to you and it would annoy me a little bit because I'd want to say, look, she's got you. She, you obviously can't, like she's got your best interest at heart. Does that ever frustrate you or do you just sort of say like, well, they're in college and that's kind of how people are? Yeah, I mean, it frustrates me sometimes because I feel like I they I know what's on the other side of a bad decision. Yes. You know, and they don't. And so it frustrates me sometimes that I can't figure out a way to communicate that or I can't figure out a way to make them buy in or I'm watching them just sabotage, you know, the rest of their life. And it's just, it's frust you know, that's frustrating and heartbreaking all at the same time. But, yeah, I think a lot of it is just understanding that they're just college students. And, you know, you just – When you're in college, to, nobody can tell you anything, right? Nobody could tell me anything right, when I was in right. college. And, so. and at the end of the day, like, I think, too, you have to pick your battles. And, you know, I know a lot of people had issue with – I've gotten a lot of, you know, stuff about tell them to put their phones up when you're talking to them or they need to take their headphones off or they're turn their music when you're talking to them. And, you know, at the – <laughs> I, I just feel like I have to pick my battles. And if yeah. every time they come in here, I'm nagging 
about put your cell phone up, turn your head, turn your music off, take your headphones off, pull your pants up. Don't say that word. Don't say that word. (laughs) Well, they're not going to come in here. You know, (laughs) number one, number two, they're not going to talk to me because they're going to feel like, well, she's going to correct every word that comes out of my mouth. I'm just not going to say anything. So I, you know, I feel like I have to, I have to allow them to be who they are and I have to allow them to kind of figure out those things on their own. Um, you know, and there there are times, this morning, there they were in here, and, and there was one, you know, we were we were having fun and cutting up and kind of having a moment. Well, then, then that, you know, that, that moment was over, and it was time, like, it was time to get busy and get work done. And I did say, turn your music off, take your headphones off, you know, like, like okay, enough. It's yeah. time to, it's time to do our, our work. And I just, you know, you didn't see very many of those moments, but, but I do exist. pick my battles yeah. and... You know, and allow them to just be who they are. One of the most touching moments of the entire show, maybe the most, was when Ronald Ali got, I guess, got his A or whatever. And and it wasn't yeah. – and obviously, I mean, he was happy on the one hand because it means he would get to go and, and play somewhere. But it was also interesting to me, it seemed to me that he appreciated – you said to him something like, see, you're smart or something like mm-hmm. that. And, and that, I'll be quite frank with you, that like almost made me cry because it was clear that like that really mattered to him. It wasn't just that he got to go out, it did, or got to leave. It did seem like to me in a world that probably told him all that you matter about is football, he had had this positive thing with academics. Am I, am I reading too much into that or, or is that what no, the case was? No, I don't think was? you are. I think that's exactly it. I think – I've I've figured out in just some, you know, deeper conversations throughout the years with some of the players that most of them have had a very embarrassing or traumatic experience in the classroom at some point. And a lot of times it's when they were very young, you know, whether they, you know, were going around the classroom and they gave a wrong answer and the, and the whole class laughed or they, you know, um, I don't know. There, I mean, just so many instances of embarrassment in a classroom. Um, and I think a lot of them maybe were told, you know, okay, well, football is the only way yeah. you're going to be successful because you're not very smart. Well, they all you say know, that. A, a lot of them say that smart. in the thing. They'll kind of act like the only way they can make it is with football. And I, I just like how you said that. I, well, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. But that, that, there's, that's, what, that's what you're saying. Right, yeah. And I think that's been ingrained in their heads for such a, for such a long time that they now are at the point – as young adults where they believe it, you know, they believe that they're not smart or they believe that they're, um, you know, not going to be able to do anything else. And I think I've always said, you know, if you can find a successful moment, if you can get a successful moment, and a lot of times it doesn't even have to be a big successful moment, but just a small successful moment in the classroom where they do something on their own and, and it's positive, you know, it's a positive result in the classroom a lot of times you kind of hook them, you know, yeah. um, because then they realize like, okay, I, I'm not dumb. You know, somebody told me I was dumb, but they lied to me. I'm not dumb, you know, or I can do this. Like, this isn't that hard. I can do it. You know, and I think you saw that in the episode where DJ Law I yes. was finally, you know, he was finally sitting down and I was making him write a paper and it was like, see, you know, like you can do this. But I think for a lot of them, they've never been, made to actually put forth effort to do it so you know the end result of that has been failure because they weren't really trying in the first place and um you know it's 
I believe that with Ronald Dolly making the A in English Comp 2, which is a class that when he came into East Mississippi as a freshman, you know, he didn't believe in himself enough to think that he could pass it. You know, he was always, I'm never going to be able to pass English. I'm never going to be able to get out of here because I'm not going to be able to pass English. And so for him to have worked as hard as he did, um, which you didn't see a whole lot of the back work, you know, the backstory on the work he put in for the A, but to work as hard as he did and, and earn it and, and really prove to himself that he could do it. I mean, I think that moment is just as valuable as the interceptions for touchdowns and the, because it's the same feeling he's, he realized in that moment, I'm just as proud of myself right now, if not more proud than I am when I do something great on the football field. And I think that that speaks volumes and carries over for years um, in their self-esteem and confidence. Yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, let me ask you about the guys, if you don't mind, who, who you had a couple guys there with you who ended up at Kentucky uh, Zadarius Smith, when he came here, I mean, I don't know how much you know. I mean, obviously he's in the NFL and succeeding. People loved yeah. him. people loved him here, Brittany. I mean, I, I loved him. We loved him here too. I thought he was awesome. I mean, he had this infectious smile that just you just mm-hmm. you just thought was the greatest. And and when he was here, when he finished, I brought him. He came and did my show at a remote. We were at a McDonald's and we had hundred people in the crowd. And I watched mm-hmm. as every single person came up and took a picture with him. And he would ask him, "What do you do?" Like he would inquire, like things kids don't do, right? Like, he is a great kid. What was he like when he was there? He was the same, honestly. Um, He was a great kid here. When he came in um, as a freshman, I remember on his recruiting visit, um, when he came in on his recruiting visit, um, I sat down and talked to him one-on-one. And he had just started playing football at the time. He didn't play four years of high school football. He was a basketball player, and he yeah. only had, I think, one year of, of high school football under his belt at the time. And, you know, we were talking, and he was telling me in his recruiting visit, you know, that he, that academics wasn't his thing, you know, and that he would work hard, but he, you know, would need some help and support. And he was so polite and so well-mannered and just, I mean, I could tell right then that he was going to be, he was going to be something, you know, he was going to make something of himself. And he he was like that the whole time he was here. I mean, it is truly who he is. Um, he's, he's just truly a good person and he never faltered from that the whole time he was here. He did struggle academically and he did have some setbacks. Um, I mean, him graduating, it came down to a college algebra class and it came down to the absolute last grade being put in the computer, um, for that college algebra class. And his teacher, he turned his final exam in, to the teacher and the, they, I think it was like a test of like 50 questions and the teacher had told them to pick 30 and they had to answer 30 questions and, and Zedarius answered his 30 and then turned it in and the teacher looked at it and told him to go back, da- go sit back down and answer the rest because the teacher, <laughs> we, it was going to be so tight, yeah, you know, of yeah. him getting out. I think the teacher was nervous that maybe he didn't get 30 of them right or enough of them right to pass. Um, you know, it came down to that for him. And I remember the day that the grade came in the computer calling him in here and we jumped up and down and cried. And I mean, you know, we're just elated that he had passed the math class and got out of here. And, but he, he has come back. He comes back to see us all the time. Um, he came back this summer. I think there's a picture of me and him on my Twitter um, right now. Yes, he came yes. back this summer 
and he spoke to the team and told the team about, you know, look, I got to the NFL off of hard work alone. And, you know, you're not going to, you're just not going to just get passed through. And, and it's not an easy road, you know. And, and I think he was very honest with the team about the work that he's had to put in to get where he is. And he just an, he's a phenomenal guy. Um, we've talked, we still talk, um, through text and, and, um, you know, I just, he, he's fantastic. And I know when he got the billboard, um, in yes, Kentucky, yeah, that's he, right. I got a text from one of the coaches on the staff telling me, you've got, you got a YouTube, you got to get on Google and you got to find this and you got to watch it. And I watched it in here with some of our players who didn't know who he was. Cause you know, he had been gone since they had been here, but I pulled it up on my computer and watched it, and I cried like a baby watching him see himself on that billboard and his face. And, you know, I mean, that's that's a moment for me, a proud moment for me to know, like, how happy and proud of himself he was, you know, that he had made that Kentucky billboard. And I'm telling you, he is proud to be a Wildcat, um, which I, I just I love that about him, that he's just so loyal and uh, he's just a great guy. He's the best. I, I, I know you got stuff to do, so I'll just make a couple real quick. Did you feel like the show – you know, you never know with this stuff, right? So did you feel like the show right. accurately represented your year? I mean, like, were you happy when it was over? Like, did you feel like everybody got a fair shake, all that stuff? Um. Yeah, I mean, I. I – yeah, I think it was very well done. I think it was a very a very good representation of, of what the year in football – um, look like. I mean, obviously they filmed for drama yeah, yeah, exactly. every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was somebody in here every day filming me. And so when you watch the show back and it's cut down to six episodes, I mean, it's hard to take five months of, of footage and, and edit it down to six hours. So, you know, obviously there's a ton of stuff that wasn't, that was on the cutting room floor and, and didn't make it in. And, you know, I've, I've, think about some of those moments that didn't make it in, you know, a little bit. And, but I mean, overall, yeah, I mean, I was extreme. It was, it blew the expectation that I had. Um, I mean, it far exceeded that. Did did you get used to having people like, did you ever get to the point that you forgot you were on camera? You know, I actually one time had cameras following me around for something and I, and I, I I never really got to where I did. It wasn't weird. Did you feel that way? No. Yeah. It was weird. And I never forgot that they were, following me around now there were a co- I was mic'd all the time so the minute I would get to work the sound tech would mic me up with you know I had an, my own mic and um sometimes the cameras wouldn't be I was mic'd on the sideline at all the games and I would forget a lot of times that I was mic'd because the camera wouldn't necessarily be standing <laughs> on there yeah. on me the whole time you know and when the camera walks off you kind of forget that you're mic'd and but I, I don't it never I, it got more comfortable I guess because I you know, when you got the same people in here for five months, you know, the same crew and you get comfortable around the crew, I think you do get more comfortable around the camera. Um, which I got to where I would like make funny faces and, you know, like do silly stuff on camera, which all of that got edited out. But, um, <laughs> so I do think that you get more comfortable around them, but I don't think I ever forgot that they were here. And, it, you know, it was weird. I mean, it was weird when I would, get up and go to the cafeteria and I'm walking and I know that there's a camera walking behind me or, you know, when I'm walking to check class and then you're walking and you know, like, okay, there's a camera behind me, you know, like 
yeah walking down the hallway and i mean people you know people look and and um it's just yeah that never gets i don't i never got comfortable with that well you know they re- they're renewing the show i see so there's a season two they are. are they are they taping that now or like are, are they about to start taping um, it we filmed we had our our academic orientation that yeah. was on season one we had it sunday night and we started class on monday so they were here for that Sunday, and then they were here for the first day of school on Monday, and then they left, and they'll come back on this coming Monday with a full crew. So, um, and we'll we'll be we'll be taping till December. So, will it be different for you this time? You think? I mean, like, are you gonna? Do you think you'll like think about what you say, knowing how it came off, or, or are you just gonna try to put it out of your mind? I'm really gonna try to just be myself and authentic, and um, you know, I'm not perfect, and I think. A lot of people are putting out there that I am, <laughs> and I'm not. Um, I, you know, I'm not a saint, and I'm not an angel, and all the adjectives that are wonderful, and I'm so appreciative of them. But, you know, I mean, I'm human, and so um, I'm going to try to be myself and handle myself the way that I would normally. Um, and, you know, hopefully hopefully it all works out just as good as season one did. Well. I've gotten as many people in Kentucky to watch this as possible. I mean, I, I'm giving – I gave my listeners mandatory homework that they have it done by Monday so that we can discuss it on the show. But you, I, I'm telling you, I really enjoyed it, and you were a delight to watch, and I really respect what you're doing. Now you, you're, you're a star now, so I, I like that we got you before. I mean, I, can, I know that the, you're headed to uh, – you're going to end up at the ESPYs or whatever, but I really appreciate oh, you taking wow. – I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us today. No, I'm excited to do it. Um, I'm excited to be on in Kentucky. Well, well, yes, and I see you have a picture of Mark Stoops in your office, right? Like, did I see? A... I do. Um, I, it's crazy the things that people noticed in my office. Yes. Um, well, you, you have know, a picture like, of Zadarius well, too. I saw that, but then I, I saw several yeah. pictures of Zadarius and several of AJ Stamps. Um, who also was one of my favorites out of here for, that played at Kentucky. I have that, and um, I have I have the picture of Mark Stoops um, in between Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> That's good show. company. So That's good company. He's yeah. in the middle of them, too. He's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I've got a Kentucky fan mailing me a, a coffee mug, so I'll have a coffee we'll mug, have to get I guess. You, yeah, we'll have to get two. you a KSR mug uh, for that as well. And, you know, Kentucky, play, you Kentucky plays Mississippi State in October here. I guess that I saw that Wyatt, he decided to play. I remember he, he said in the show he wasn't going to, but I saw this week he decided to walk on. Were you surprised about that? I was really excited for him. I think that um, – yeah, I think Mississippi State at the last minute had maybe a quarterback position open up, and um, I think they reached out to him, and it and it worked out, and I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, I mean, I think that's one of those things that he was, you know, he was just doing his doing himself. You know, I mean, he was being patient and just kind of doing what he thought was the best thing to do, and then things work out for him in the long run too. So, um, we have three quarterbacks right now in the SEC with him at Mississippi State, John at. Auburn and then Chad at Ole Miss. Well, he seems like a good dude. Like he just seemed like the kind of guy I would really like. Just, I mean, he's got that Mississippi drawl, and I just, I really like that guy a lot. I thought, yeah, he, he's just a good old country boy. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yes, with his camouflage hat. So, so I'm just saying, if you ended up coming to Mississippi State in Lexington, I'm sure we, you'd be a lot of people here who'd be happy to have you, and you could see why. It. I'm just, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to get Kentucky to. Um, 
to hook me up uh, and and maybe I can do like an autograph session or something. I listen, I can tell. Listen, you be careful what you say because I'll make it happen <laughs> if you're not careful. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll All right. be glad to. That sounds like fun. All right. <laughs> Brittany Wagner, Last Chance You. Thank you very much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. All right. Take a break here. Just one second to talk about Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint, you and 500 business cards, $9.99. You know about it. Just go and do it. What are you waiting on? A high-quality card with thick stock, brilliant finish, designs, whatever you want. You could design them. They'll send them right to you, 500 for $9.99. It's a crazy deal. I know people who have – you know, realtors, people who are running for office, people who own a spa, they all have bought them using our code, which is Matt, M-A-T-T. And the next thing you know, they love it. 500 business cards, nine ninety nine. The promo code is Matt. Great customer service. If you don't like it, they'll fix it. That's how good it is. They guarantee you'll love your products or they'll make it right. 500 business cards, nine ninety nine. The promo code is Matt. Huge savings huge deal and it's awesome and while you're there you might do some postcards banners apparel whatever you want it's vistaprint.com 500 matt so there you go all right so after that uh, interview with Brittany wagner who is awesome it's now time to to talk with another awesome person maybe slightly less awesome just uh, but still wonderful in his own right mark ennis who is uh, from a lot of louisville media outlets and also is known on twitter as mr U of L. mark how are you i'm doing well man i'm jealous and someone intimidated to follow Brittany because i think she's probably everybody's favorite person after watching that well she did say that like everybody writes her and says you know you're perfect and wonderful and she was like you know what just so you know i'm not i mean i'm a normal person mm-hmm. but they the documentary sure makes it seem like like that she's exactly what every human being should be like when you watch it yeah and i bet you virtually every like small college in the South had somebody like that. You're probably right. Yeah. I would say yeah. most colleges do. I mean, to keep all those people, to keep all those players eligible, you almost have to, well, let, let's start back because you, you, you have watched this. And so I wanted to have you on a, because you love college football. I mean, I, I don't know that there's anybody I know who loves the sport as a whole more than you. And you watched this documentary, and I just wanted to talk with somebody about it. So let me just ask you, I'll start with this. Big picture, you watched it. What's the, what were your big couple of takeaways after you finished The, the Last Chance You? Uh, the big takeaways were her and, and sort of what she does and how I think she really like embodied a lot of and – and I'm not belittling her because I think she's sincere, but she really – showed i thought like kind of the phoniness of like the academic stuff in college sports and there were a couple of quotes from her in the first episode that i thought by the end were really telling she said she considered herself an an eligibility specialist well now wait a minute i don't know i don't know if i totally buy the phoniness i mean what do you mean by phoniness meaning what well i want to be clear i don't think she's phony at all what i'm saying is is the emphasis so much is on just staying eligible versus really learning anything to the point that she even said, I'm an eligibility specialist. Uh, and I thought, well, but are the, do those things have to be concentrated? Do they have to be mutually exclusive? I mean, I talked with her a little bit about when Ronald Ollie gets an yeah. A in that class and how it was clear that part of what made him so happy was not just that he had done it, but that he had gotten an A. Right, like that he had actually – Yeah. I think she even said to him, see, you're smart. And you could tell in looking at him that that meant something. So can they not both be true? 
I think they can, and you would accomplish one if you really focused on the other, right? Like, everybody would be eligible if they really were focused on learning. But I think by so much emphasis on eligibility, it seems like what they're really trying to say is, just like, please just don't blow up for yourself versus, like, learn something while you're here. Because she even talks about, like, when I tell you this is your A class, it needs to be your A class, stuff like that. That, it seems to kind of betray that they're actually trying to learn that. All right, now hang on, Mark. I mean, let's, 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 be, let's be fair. All right, I love to learn more than anybody. Yet when I was in college, ultimately, I mean, I wanted to learn, but what I really wanted was to get good grades, right? Like, I mean, at some point in the, like, finish college. I mean, I think, isn't that just what an, every college student does to some level? I mean, you have classes, you're like, all right, I'm going to take this art history class because I've heard this is kind of easy. Don't we all do that? Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I, I'll be fair, but I think that that's true. But I think in this case, again, they're not talking about like getting like it's just kind of a don't fail, and you're not trying to. But get you're a, not from. But like, I mean, for, but, but for those kids though, don't fail. Like, look, I was really good at school, but to be honest with you, I'm I don't consider that much of an accomplishment because it always kind of came natural to me. I know that sounds weird, but it just did. So it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't like like I could get really good grades and work. Very little. But if you had asked me to go play any sport, I would have had to work my tail off just to even be okay. Isn't it just the reverse for these kids? Like, it doesn't come naturally to them, so they have to work their tail off just to do enough like I would to even fathom playing, like, the lowest level of college football. Oh, no, that's true. No, I think you're right about that. But I think – well, let let me back it up. I don't want to say, like, the academic part is just phony. I think I should maybe back up even a little bit farther. What it really, maybe what it really shows is like the whole idea of like they get paid in an education. Okay. Like maybe that's what's funny about the whole thing. Yeah, maybe it's the case though. I said this on the radio. Isn't it a little weird that we attach football or any sport to school? Like, Uh, it's the weirdest marriage possible. Because in no other doubt. countries, they don't do that. Like in other – and listen, I love co- college basketball and college football have made me a living, right, in, in covering them. But at the end – like other countries don't try to make that marriage happen. There isn't big-time college sports in Europe, for instance. Is that is does this documentary sort of show that's an odd marriage? Yeah, and, I, and everything about college sports in this documentary is like really hyper-magnified. Like they're really all there – Everyone, virtually everybody is there for some other reason. Like, a lot of people go to college, like normal people go to college, and, like, they want to go to that college. But, like, none of these guys want to be there. Well, some of that is – but get, some of that, though, is also uh, – Mark, I mean, did you go to – I don't think you went to community college. Some of that is, I no. think, that community college is, by its very nature, a step to another place because you can't get, like, a four-year degree there. No, I mean, no, none of them want to be at East Mississippi Community College. Not community college. Like, none of them want to be there, like, where they are. And it starts out with John Franklin saying that in the first episode. And so I thought it was just everything about college, when you're talking about the marriage, like, it was all, everyone here is using each other. Like, that really sort of seems well, no, Okay, that's, I think that's fair. Well, let me ask you about, about Buddy Stevens. Okay, so I 
freely recognize that this is going to sound like a wimpy thing. <laughs> but part of what I don't like, I, I like the sport of football. But when I watch the details, I love the teamwork that guys have. But I really don't like the hyper machismo nonsense mm-hmm. that football embodies sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Buddy Stevens, to me, seemed like the best and thus worst example of that I had ever seen. Just this just ridiculous machismo absurdity. Do you agree with that? I think he's the other thing that came through was him. Yes. And that was a big part of it. And I think, Matt, what really grates on you about the hyper machismo and stuff is like he doesn't even really have the nerve to always be that way. Because then you get like the kind of phony religiosity. Oh, that was ridiculous. Let me just call you every name. Now let's get on the Lord's Prayer. It was so absurd. I mean, in the, in the, in the, before the first game, they showed that locker room scene. He's like, we need to go out there and we do what we do. And then he says, we are going to go out and go out there and we kick their asses, shovel football up their nose. <laughs> and then the very next thing is, everybody touch somebody. And they say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I just... I, let me tell you something, Mark. I'm amazed those players even tolerate him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, Cal Perry, you, you, you're very close, as close as anybody is to sort of him and like his day-to-day and his game-day behavior and that sort of thing. And he really gets on guys in-game. And, and Petrino and Patino, they keep their players alive. But I think we always think somewhere like that gets balanced by some – some closeness with it's sort of a more instructional. I understand he's being hard on me now, but I'm going to learn from it. Like, he doesn't ever seem to balance it. He's just, like, loud and kind of wild. And you, would have, and you would have never – now, I know he apologized for it, but you would have never seen a moment where John Calipari, if there was a situation like that fight, would have said, you're a street thug and all that stuff. Like, th- mm-hmm. like that just would not happen. He might get mad. He might, but he was almost saying like, "You all are scum of the earth people," and I have to tell you, it infuriated me. I mean, this is a dude who had punched a ref, okay? And maybe you can say the ref punched him first, whatever. I don't care. He was still like he lost his mind, and then when they lose their mind, they're street thugs. If I was those players, I, I, I mean, I'm amazed they didn't all just walk out, and they almost did. It looked like. Yeah, at first when I saw their reaction. To his like post game speech where they where they basically called the game off after the big fight, yeah, and you're, where he calls them a thug and all that stuff. I thought, you know, they are they wanted to just basically like avoid blame. I thought the players, but then the more I thought they were a little out of line, like their reaction. But the more I thought about it during this season, like you said, he got suspended in the game because he didn't do any of the things he just screamed. <laughs> exactly. He was the same way. If if one of them had hit a referee, they'd be banned from college football forever, right? I mean, they would have. Yeah, right. yeah, no, absolutely. And there's also the scene where he just destroys John Franklin uh, for kind of his reaction to a score right before halftime. Uh, so, I mean, he didn't embody. And, I, and this is something I constantly, like, I try to let people be – inconsistent and not think they're, they're phony. You know, like a lot of times you believe things and people have ideals. Yeah, people, people can, people yeah, exactly, you're right. You're not phony, 
but I and I tried really hard to be like maybe he wants to be a certain way, but when he gets out in the field, his emotions get the best of him because I'm like that. But I think I think he's really phony. Well, or else he's just a maniac. I mean, again, I want to go back to my machismo for a second. And and that's not to say everybody is like this, okay? Like, I I found Rich Brooks, for instance, to be a very level-headed, calm guy. He would get angry, but he also had moments of sort of normalness. And and I like Mark Stoops, et cetera. And and, and you know, I know you've known Bobby and and, and Charlie Strong, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But I also think – there's this notion somehow that because these guys are somehow good at football, that that makes them normalized human beings. And I feel like a lot of football coaches seem to me to be like maladjusted people on the college. Like I don't think Nick Saban's a normal person when I hear him talk. That doesn't oh, mean he's totally. a. That doesn't mean he's a bad person. I don't think he's a bad person. But I think Buddy Stevens is a little bit of a maniac. I really do. Like I. I didn't. I saw almost nothing redeeming in him. Did you? No, and I felt like I wondered if the stuff that the ham fisted, like the religiosity and like that, there was a whole scene of him at home with his girls. Like that felt like fake. <laughs> yeah. And the crazy guy in the football stuff, that seemed like the real him. And I'm with you. There's something. This doesn't happen in basketball. It doesn't happen in baseball. And it's probably like just the nature of the game because it's by far the most physical one. But there's there's so much of a tendency, and you see it in the NFL even more, where football goes from being football to almost like pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I'm with you. That's when I'm. Just like, I can't watch this. This foolishness. And the the macho stuff, which wrestling just way oversells on purpose, it happens in football, and you're like, you're, you look like an idiot. Yeah, I and mean the other and the other coaches. So, like five or six years ago, when I would be, you know, I was so career driven that sometimes I did really dumb things, and I remember. Drew Franklin probably played this role for me that sometimes when I would walk away, Drew Franklin or or Ryan would try to fix whatever I had just done. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I felt like that the other guys were like that, like the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach, I found to actually be really likable guys who seemed sort of sensible. And after that fight, I think the offensive coordinator was kind of trying to say, hey, man, what do you expect these guys to think? And it was like they were having to be the adults as their petulant child coached the team. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the offensive coordinator, who also did those quick chapels and is, I guess, now the coach in waiting, he seemed to be the guy that comes in behind him and is like, all right. And I think every like super hard-ass coach is smart to have that guy. So I don't know if Buddy Stevens does it on purpose, like it's a good cop, bad cop thing or if he's just been lucky to have a guy, but I'm not sure if he didn't have some of these guys on the staff that that would, like, that would wear you out quickly if you didn't have somebody sort of coming behind you uh, and, and soften some of these guys up. And that's probably a role uh, Brittany Wagner plays too. You, you've spent more time than I have in the sort of – I mean, I know you didn't play college football, but you've spent more time in the kind of, uh, uh, you know – locker room football thing and mm-hmm. you 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 follow it nationwide do you think is that was the the dynamic there normal or was it okay really weird coach and then a crazy year where odd things happened i mean pti is talking about 
Mississippi community college football? Or, like, is is this just like it, they hit the gold mine jackpot, or is this sort of emblematic of college football? Well, I, I mean, I don't think stuff that's, like, happened to them. I mean, geez, can you think of a college, like a major college coach that – hit a ref like no like that doesn't and they had two things i mean think in the same year hit the ref and then that brawl yeah and and now then on a brawl you go back to uh lou holtz's last game at south carolina like oh yeah yeah. that was a brawl and miami and fiu had that ridiculous brawl like there are brawls hell little kentucky almost had a brawl before the game a couple years ago i mean that happens but these personalities i think some important players that are going to be big-time players in Division One. I. I mean, you talk about a gold mine. Like, John Franklin's probably going to be Auburn's quarterback, and he's in this state. But that does, uh, doesn't that seem weird to you, Mark? I mean, like, John Franklin, again, now we didn't see every game, right? But John Franklin clearly couldn't win the battle, and the only time we saw him playing good all year was against a team that they were about to beat, like, 96 to nothing. Um, and now he couldn't start there amongst the Mississippi State walk-on, and now he's the starting quarterback at Auburn. Does that mean Auburn's going to suck, or what, like, what do you think? No, I'm with uh, – the handful of takeaways was, was Brittany Wagner and, like, that whole soft peddling of the kids to get him through school, the crazy coach, and John Franklin. And knowing that he's in, 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 even in the mix at Auburn. First of all, how does Auburn get in a position where they've got to do this? I mean, they offered him, if the documentary's right, off of sort of part of one game where he beat yeah, exactly. out of a really, really bad Juco team. And it's like, how desperate are they? They're two years removed from playing for a title. But it's bizarre. And he, I, I thought if Brittany Wagner was like the winner, I thought that Buddy Stevens was sort of mixed because they were at least were successful in winning, but they were crazy. But John Franklin was like the worst portrayal in the thing. Yeah, he, he just, came off really bad. And he came off and, – and part of why – and again, I, I – I sort of temper all this with the fact that he's a kid, right? Like he's in college. Well, and it's edited. We got to, you know, we don't know. But there were little things he edited. did. There were little things he did, though. Like there was definitely a sense from him that he projected a I'm too good for everyone here mentality that if I was one mm-hmm. of his teammates would have driven me nuts, you know? Yeah, and it, he's, and that's the thing about it was it really showed with him. And he was like one of a half dozen or more guys in that same position. That guys that came from somewhere else that were there or guys who signed somewhere else but were there and didn't want to be there. And he really was the only one that came across like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. The one time I thought he came off off well, I thought there were two things. One, it seemed like considering they were competing with each other, he and the Wyatt kids seemed to get along and Mm -hmm. seemed to root for each other. And then the one time, I can't remember who it was, someone got a scholarship to, you know, Nichols State or something, and he looked to be genuinely happy for the guy. Like, I, I thought yeah. those were kind of two positives. But you're right. Otherwise, maybe not the best portrayal. No, and if I'm, Auburn, if I'm an Auburn fan, I hope that this thing was just really, really, really creatively edited. Or else, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's he going to be like? What if he doesn't win the quarterback battle at Auburn? Like, what, what kind of teammates he going to be? I, I would be worried. Yeah, it would be kind of uh, uh, kind of interesting. Now, Louisville got a player from that show, right? The linebacker. They didn't spend a lot of time on him, but what, what, what do you know about that guy? Well, he was one. He was the only one of a Georgia class, I think maybe the last one when Grantham was there, that didn't qualify. So he wasn't like a problem child that got thrown out. Like He didn't make the grade 
because you, you get guys basically who are like just barely good enough, so they go play JUCO. You guys get thrown out of school to go play, and the guys that don't make the grades, that's like the makeup of your average JUCO team. And he just didn't make the grades at Georgia. There was just a one scene where she was trying to understand basically why guys don't go to school, and he was just basically like, we get tired of it. <laughs> that was kind of the only scene really with Gary McCray in it. But and that probably means that probably means he's a normal kid, right? Like, like I mean, you either have to have a huge personality or kind of be a a little bit of like a problem child to get on there. And and the fact that he was like kind of normal means you probably didn't see him much. That's sort of how I read it. Yeah, no, I, I thought he came across just kind of quiet and uncontrolled. Just like I'm just like I'm not good at school. Sometimes you get tired of it. You're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, he didn't he didn't kill anybody or almost quit or or anything. So I, I was fine with him. He's really it's, he's here now. It's really weird if you think about it that Mississippi junior colleges are the centerpiece of a step into big time college football, right? I mean, I remember following this first with Zadarius Smith, who of course went to this school, and there was a couple pictures of him on the. Brittany and I talked about him, but Zadarius Smith. Before that, I didn't really realize that that was a thing, that everybody in the country who couldn't qualify went to some little town in Mississippi and played. I mean, it is sort of a bizarre thing, don't you think? Yeah, and the only other one I ever knew of was, was in Kansas. There's like one that's really good in Kansas, and now the name escapes me because all I remember is Kaiser having to get so many junior college guys from Kansas from his time there. That's, uh, that's all I remember. No, it's bizarre. And, like, you would have to think, like, they probably would be kind of fun to watch. There's, like, a lot of really good players down there. Yeah, but, but I, couldn't I, mean, take, I couldn't take the coach. I mean, honestly, I could not oh take God, the coach. No. I, I, he, he might be my least favorite person I've ever seen in a documentary or the like. Like, I just found so, – so let me take your two coaches. I find both Bobby Petrino and Rick Petino very dislikable for different reasons, but I could give you redeeming qualities about both of them. Like Rick Pitino is very personable. I think he, uh, you know, he he's done a lot for the state, et cetera. And Bobby Petrino, from all indication, is very charitable. He gives a lot of money. Did the Petino or the Petrino thing at the hospital even after he left Louisville? So so there's redeeming qualities. What is a Buddy Stevens redeeming quality? No, I, I that's the thing. Like I'm I, what I was saying about guys being complex. I got to the end. Like I don't, I don't think he's complex. I think he's just kind of funny. He's and just, it was just a, basically, just a and, dick. But I thought that was a good. I thought it was kind of. I don't know if they meant to send this message, but it was. You know, these players are all here to use the school as a springboard, and you kind of got by the end. He's like, if he's there for him too. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Because he would yeah. talk about keeping this train running and all that stuff. But I didn't get the sense. Although, although to be fair, Brittany Wagner did say that uh, Zadarius comes back there every year, so that's I did that's kind of. But I just didn't get the sense. Besides that, like I wondered if in twenty five, thirty years, will John Franklin and Ronald Ollie and those people be like, I am a graduate of East Mississippi, or was it just like a place they were a year? I didn't get a real sense about that one way or the other. Well, I thought early on they really played up. Like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, they really did, yeah. But by the end, they when they start looping in the town and, like, talking about the historical coaches and stuff like that, there was more of a, like, this is a cool place. People remember being from that sort of thing. But you didn't really get that sense from the players, really, at all. You know, they might not go back and say they're proud, but, like, they'll probably call Brittany Wagner. Oh, no no doubt. Clearly, they, they, yeah. they clearly have a... a, a, a 
a thing with her. I mean, she she obviously comes off uh, awesome in it, and, and you know, we 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 talked with. One more, one more interruption to tell you about Harry's Razors. You know, Harry's has been a great sponsor of ours for a long time. And the reason they're so good is because I love the product. I use it all the time, and it's great. You can absolutely have the best shave of your life with higher quality razors. They were already good. They've now done them to make them even better, and it's the same price. $2 per blade, better than you can get at the drugstore. Harry's.com is the place. High-quality razors. Sell them online for half the price of drugstore brands, and quality is always 100% guaranteed. It's what I use to shave. It's what you, sh- you should use. And if you don't love it, they'll fully refund you. The Harry starter set is the deal. Shaving cream, razor handle, three blades, and a travel cover, $15. But if you use a promo code MATT, M-A-T-T, it's, it's $10. I mean, think about that. Use a promo code MATT, $10, and you get all that stuff. And I guarantee you'll like it, and you'll just keep getting Harry's. That's the way they get you because they know you're going to love it. $10, promo code Matt. Go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, harrys.com, promo code Matt. Now let's get back to it. Let me ask you now, uh, to move aside a little bit for this college football season, um, all right, I'm going to get you to give me the Louisville case. I look at Louisville this year. I say, look, their quarterback, at least against Kentucky, was just dynamic. And then they've got a couple guys, Devontae Fields, a linebacker, and then what's the other linebacker's name that's really good too? Um, Keith Kelsey. Uh, yeah, Kelsey. I look at those three guys and say, all right, now that's those are three uber talents. But besides that, maybe not the – I mean, Louisville's had an unheralded in terms of really people nationally realizing just how many damn good players they've had over the last three years in the, NBA, in the NFL draft. I feel like besides yeah. those guys – that depth of talent is not there. Am I right or wrong about that? I think it, there aren't more guys like those three. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think those three really stick out. But I think what Louisville's done really well, and it started with Charlie, was I think like the worst players have gotten a lot better. Like the floor, when they start digging down into the depth chart, like it's a lot better. I don't think Louisville's ever had a better group of wide receivers. And that's saying something. I think they've had some good groups of wide receivers, but I mean I mean almost all of them were rated four stars by somebody out of high school. But if I took if I took Lamar Jackson and Devontae Fields off the team. It'd be very different. Would you say Kentucky and Louisville would be equivalent rosters? They would be close. I, I think Louisville's got really good front seven guys besides Devontae Fields. And I don't know what yeah, yeah, Kentucky really Kentucky's, yeah, that's Kentucky's weakness. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah. But I, they're similar. But I think Louisville's, Louisville's really got a, at least right now, I think a lot better quarterback and, like, play calling kind of designing well, that's, mind together. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's a good combo. Let, let me add, Lamar Jackson, as he had flashes of greatness all year. But he also would look bad sometimes. And then against Kentucky, he looked unstoppable. Is that – did he turn a corner or were we just terrible in defending him? I think you could dismiss him as, like, we're terrible defending him if they didn't play – if he didn't play so well in the bowl game, too. That's true, he did. I That's mean, a good point, yeah. Yeah, in the bowl game, he's like the, he became the third guy ever to have 200 rushing and 200 passing in, in a bowl game with, uh, what, Vince Young and Johnny Manziel. Like, he was crazy in the bowl game. I mean, Texas A&M, like, that's a really good defense. Uh, they've got multiple guys that are going to play in the NFL in that defense. And I think the big, the most encouraging thing to me about Lamar Jackson was against Kentucky, like, 
this is not to rub it in, you understand this, but it was kind of the same four or five things, and it was just working. But they did a lot of different stuff against a He got under center. They threw play action. Like, he looked like he really sort of came along in the three weeks from the end of the season to the bowl game. And if that sort of thing continues, it's going to be so lights out. It's been funny to me, all the interviews where they're like, basically like, yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing last year. And I, I had found that hysterical because if, if that's true, then it's really going to be crazy this year. Yeah. Well, but see, I try to talk myself into UK football by saying, until Lamar Jackson, we were kicking your ass, right? And even the year before, until Devontae Parker became Devontae, we were kicking your ass. Like, can I not make myself feel better with that? Uh, you can. You certainly can. <laughs> but just, if you basically take six out of the eight quarters of the last two games, they really haven't been all that close. And it's – I don't – I don't know what happens to Kentucky. Like, they, they they come out of the blocks good. Maybe it's depth. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think Stoops just kind of goes to pieces in games that he really, really, really wants. Yeah, and then so that's – that's just a little better. That's a worry of mine. Do you, let me ask you this. And, and, and granted, you're a Louisville guy. Right. But is – do you think Mark Stoops succeeds at Kentucky? No. I mean, I'll say no. Yeah, I guess it depends on what succeeds is, but I mean, I think. Well, succeeds I, would be make it to succeeds would be make it to bowl games and leave here on his own terms. However, that is he would like to do it. I doubt it, and here's the only reason I, uh, the biggest reason I said is I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Louisville this year, and I think sort of the that small window where Florida and Tennessee and Georgia all weren't all that great probably closed. And that's like half the schedule where you don't think they're going to win games like from the start. Like I, there was a chance to really make up a bunch of ground. Yeah, that's and they the, didn't really win why, any. Why of you got to be depressing? I mean, seriously, why you got to be? Depressing? <laughs> I mean, that, those, that's, no, but that's a very good point. It's like somebody made the point on my radio show the other day, Mark, that when Kentucky was so good in like 07, 08, 09, you know, those years, one of the things mm-hmm. we often forget is that Louisville, Vandy, and Mississippi State kind of all sucked during that period of time. So, like, you were able to get three wins pretty easily that now maybe Vandy still sucks, but Louisville doesn't and Mississippi State doesn't. No, I I think you you have to – well, I guess the good news maybe for Kentucky is at the same time – South Carolina had kind of a good run. True, and they're and down. They're, and Missouri sucks, right? Suck. I mean, like Missouri, South you can – South Carolina's really going to suck. Yeah, I mean, there are six very winnable games this year if you just go and do it, right? I mean, if you beat Southern Miss, you beat South Carolina, you beat Vandy, you beat Missouri, you got your six, and then everybody's happy. Yeah, no, I, I think this year – I mean, we'll know after this year. And of course, that's like such a lazy thing to say, right? Like, year four, we'll know after this year. But, like, if they can't get to a bowl this year, it's – it won't happen. I really – like, it will be sour next year if they don't make a bowl this year. And the thing is, they might have their best team next year too. And, like, everybody will have turned them off, even though talent-wise – talent-wise, I mean, they're going to be loaded next year talent-wise, Mark. With the exception of John Toth, their center, they'll have the entire team back. You know? No, he's really built for that. And I do have a lot of sympathy for, like, what he inherited because it was – It was brutal. Nothing. Just brutal. Nothing. Well, last nothing. thing, last thing, you know, uh, after um, – sort of after the, the lawsuit was filed, again, uh, alleging who's Matt's mole, 
uh, it's surprisingly no one returns my phone calls anymore. So, so one thing it did do that lawsuit was at least scare off people who were talking to me for a long time. And it wasn't. And the funny thing is, the people involved, uh-huh. the people involved in the lawsuit were not the ones talking to me. But yet, I think it scared everybody. So I don't, you well, know, I, I don't hear what I did about the scandal part. I hear other stuff, but about the scandal part, what are you hearing? Like, when's it coming? When's something gonna happen? I the more I hear the more, like, we're not near as close to, like, the end as we think. And that's not to say that there's more out there. It's just like there's nothing nothing happening, and they've got a ton of other craft ahead of them. I mean, North Carolina still has them. Yeah. Ole Miss yeah. is ahead of them. Uh, I don't know. This may sort of hover over the whole year, but I don't think there's anything more the people I've talked to. I don't get the sense that there's anything more for them to find, but they've got to finish presenting what they're going to present. Yeah. Uh, and I think everybody kind of agrees what's happened. I think the one thing out there is where the money come from, right? Like, isn't that the kind of one thing hovering? Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah, completing kind of that circle. Like, was he really doing this all by himself or were they able to sort of show Which no one that? believes, I, no, right? I'm, you don't believe that. I have no idea. Oh, come on, Mark. Like, you don't believe that. Me. You don't believe that he nothing had to. Oh, me. I see. You can't. I know you can't say you're like Ryan with Matthew Mitchell. Like you're just a line you won't cross. But you can't believe <laughs> that Andre McGee had all that money himself, right? I doubt it. Okay. All right. I'll, 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 I'll let you off with that. You take that? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you off with yeah. that. Give me uh, uh, who's playing in the national championship game this year. Oh, boy. That's a really good. Uh, I think. I think Clemson uh, will make the national championship game again. And I, like, aren't you a fool if you don't pick Alabama at this point? Like, don't you have to? So yeah, I mean, those Alabama. look like the two that you you would most likely think. Give me one team because you know, like every team, you're like a mini Phil Steele. Give me one <laughs> team that I don't ever think about as being good that's good this year. I think Texas A&M is going to be really good. Yeah, but they're year. all they're still good. Is there anybody else like maybe you know like a couple years ago Minnesota was all of a sudden good? Is there someone like that? Oh, that's good. So let me think about that for just a second. Well, I'll give you one uh, maybe I, Houston, right? Like Houston, who beat you all last really year. Good. They could be yeah. really good. Did that? Don't they come to Louisville this year? Or no? Do you no, go there? Louisville goes there on yeah. a Thursday night. That was part of that agreement when Louisville left the AAC that they would play a home and home with one team. They picked Houston. It was coming off like a two and ten year, and then they get the two best Houston teams ever in last year and this year. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, I I think Miami is going to bounce back and be really okay. good this year with Mark Rick. I think that's going to be one uh, to watch. They've got a really good quarterback, good receivers, good running back, uh, not an idiot defensive coordinator, and a really good schedule. The chance to win some big games. So I, I like I think Miami and Mark Rick is going to be really good. This there you go. That's a good answer, Mark Ennis. Thank you very much from. Uh, uh, I, I, We'll see. Wait, where, where could some? Do you do you write anymore? Sure, yeah, I write for Card Chronicle all the time, and I'll write a lot once the season gets in summer. I kind of love. Yeah, cool. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. Anytime, man. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Oh!